ya. Do yourself a favor and get some of this. In this corner with Brian Campbell is back and it's ready to swipe right on your free time and invade your eardrums with that irresistible dose of performance enhancing audio. You want it, you need it. Well, you got it because it's the MMA edition and yet the motive, it remains the same. We want you to want me. So if you like what you hear on this multifaceted combat sports circus, if you see something, well, you know what you have to do. It's time to say something. It only takes a minute. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Rate. Review. Spread the word on social media with that hashtag in this corner. Hey, if you love combat sports, this is your new home. Plenty of big guests this week alone. Much more planned for the future. And we got a great show for you today talking mixed martial arts with Bellator light heavyweight champion Phil Davis, who's going to give you the origin of his nickname, Mr. Wonderful, and tell you why leaving UFC was the best decision he could have made. Also talk with heavyweight Matt Mitrione. Both of these guys, former UFC vets, of course, they'll be a big part of Saturday's Bellator NYC pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden. And Mitch Rion, man, he is one heck of a storyteller. He's got a story about kidney stones. He's got a story about Kimbo's life. Both will change your life. I'm not even fooling around. You got to check these out. Caught up with both these guys in Manhattan this week as Lee Brian Campbell took the show on the road. Also sat down with boxers Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia for the Sweet Science episode of In This Corner that is simply a can't miss. Rafe Bartholomew is back. It's an action-packed show. Also, WWE fans, be sure to check out our pair of episodes of Pro Wrestling. One of those, the Instant Analysis Show from Sunday's Money in the Bank is hot fire. You got to check it out. Moving forward now, I want you to get with my friends because you know that we can be friends Heck, we can do this every week. So get juice, get a taste of that performance-enhancing audio. And before we hear from Phil Davis and Matt Mitrione, I wanted to share an entertaining chat I had with a pair of passionate MMA minds who do a great job on their own podcast called Outside the Cage on WFAN Radio in New York. They regularly pull interviews with some of the biggest names in the UFC and are a hilarious duo to begin with. I'm talking about Ike Feldman, Pete Hoffman, you can find their Outside the Cage show on Apple Podcasts, everywhere else you listen to fine audio. Have a fun chat coming your way about the MMA impact of the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor announcement. So let's hear from Ike and the Hoff. Enjoy. Inside the studios here at WFAN. Guys, you're welcoming into your backyard here. The Outside the Cage podcast, well, the invasion angle, welcoming in Ike and Pete. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for 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 entering uh, in this corner with Brian Campbell. It's, it's a pleasure, dude. Thanks for having us, man. Thanks this for having awesome, us, man. Dude. I see, I see uh, the Pope, Mike Francesa walking around. I see Miko walking around. The the, the inner Minko. child in me from from growing up in suburban Connecticut is, is jumping out right now from the studios. I mean, this is fantastic. You know, what is your name? <laughs> how you doing? How are you? How are you? You know, yeah. did you run to the schmooze yet, though? Okay, Brian. Nice to meet you. Oh, that is fantastic. I, I don't know if everybody out here listening to this podcast has had the joy of, of you know, driving home at 2 a.m. After, after somewhere raging and just letting the schmoozer take you home on that drive. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can, I mean, you can, his, his voice, I don't know what he does personally, but his voice alone smokes 10 packs a day, right? Like it's, just, it's, just, it's just fantastic. You can't identify the people. Well, enough regional love right here for yeah. the greater New York City. Let's talk about MMA as a whole on the In This Corner MMA podcast. We got a big story, and that's Connor Floyd, August 26th in Who? Las Vegas. The who exactly? 
you guys had me on on your podcast talking about this, you know, way back, you know, a few months ago, and I was just sort of the guy saying no chance. I was the guy three weeks ago saying no chance, saying, guys, don't you see what Dana's really doing here? He's fooling Connor. He just wants Connor back in the cage. This deal's going to fall apart. I've been here before. Campbell, you're wrong, and you were wrong because there's piles and stacks of money. We covered the <laughs> boxing side on the boxing edition of the In This Corner podcast. From an NBA, MMA perspective, guys, I feel like this is so friggin', if I, I know I can say friggin' in my own podcast, <laughs> surreal. What was your collective reaction when this actually became real? You heard the rumors, you saw the dotted line, you saw Floyd's announcement. What was your reaction? Well, first off, I appreciate you for admitting you're wrong, man. It takes a big man to admit that. And you're bigger in person, first of all. I thought you were 5'8", you're about like 6'1". <laughs> <laughs> my BJJ game, not functional. No worries. <laughs> here. No worries at all. But, dude, I've been fighting an uphill battle with Pete since January when Connor did the the pay-per-view interview with Ariel, like really ridiculous stuff and like WWE essentially. And uh, it's been an uphill battle, but I'm just happy it's signed. And uh, I just, uh, Pete gave me a little credit on the last episode. I was just, so I'm not spiking the ball, but. Uh, yeah, no, and I, I, listen, I still want to see them in the ring first. I'm not getting too excited <laughs> yet. You never know what has happened. No, dude, it, it, when we were actually recording our podcast, when it went across the ticker that it was signed, and we're like, no, this, this can't be true. Like, this is a joke. <laughs> let me see, yeah. let me see the social media first. <laughs> then we see the big flashy Instagram from Floyd Mayweather. I can't believe it actually went down. I'm surprised on many different different angles. And to hear the, the press conference, how easy and smooth it was for the every, negotiation. Every entity, the boxing side, the Showtime pay-per-view side, everybody said this is the easiest negotiation they ever had. By the way, how smart was Floyd? A couple of reasons here. How smart, number one, signing the, the confidentiality agreement that nobody oh, yeah. will know the split. You know, because we know the, the blueprint is, hey, you gave Manny 40%, right? You know, mm-hmm. of, the, of the deal two, two years ago in that super fight. We don't know what Connor's getting. We may never know. This is a little interesting. I don't know if this is breaking or it's rumored, but I heard yesterday that uh, some Australian network, the splits are supposed to be Floyd 250 mil, Connor 125. And we don't know what Dana and the UFC is getting, but... Uh, that might is that the biggest payday ever two fifty if that's correct. Well, there's room. Okay, so Floyd made the guaranteed one hundred, which broke all records against Pacquiao. He showed us the check after the fight in Las Vegas. It was a real deal. The rumors he made upwards of two fifty to three hundred million when you count all the receipts. And mind you. Floyd's legacy is he eliminated the middleman on the business side. He he takes in every possible dollar from from ticket sales to to how much the chips cost at the vending machine. Like you right. know, he takes in everything. Not not many fighters have that deal, but I would think. This is going to break that record, which leads me to believe this fight has a chance to to, to challenge the Mayweather-Pacquiao financial record and buy rate record at 4.6 million pay-per-view buys, Let's which go. almost doubled De La Hoya uh, Mayweather from 2007. I think this crosses into more casual fans' living rooms. You need the casual fans to get you over a million buys. We know that. I mean, do you, do you guys feel comfortable that this could break it? Oh, no question. I said it. As soon as it went down and was official, I was like, all right, you know what? No, definitely five mil. No question, five million buys. No question. Two heels. You got two heels. It's, That's it, a great point. You get, and you, by the way, a lot of people talk about you have white versus black, and both guys are so polarizing enough to some <laughs> group of people. One guy is a hero. To some group of people, the other guy's a villain, and it yeah. flips when you flip it over. It's, it's yeah. a real thing. And, and listen, the hype of this fight is going to be outrageous because, you know, Floyd and, and Pacquiao, long live. Everyone wanted to see that, but but the trash talking wasn't really all there. This is from both sides. Both both guys just know how to trash talk. It's going to be hyped up like no other fight ever. This thing could hit six mil. I, oh, yeah. I, it's a and possibility, that, And dude. it's crazy to say that. It's crazy for me to accept that coming out of your mouth. Yet $4.6 million when I heard that number, that was crazy to me. I thought, yeah. okay, this it's going to approach $3 million. It'll probably No, four point. that shows you 
How many people cared about a five-and-a-half-year soap opera on the boxing side? Uh, when are these guys finally going to face each other? I think as much as I'm really against – and we're going to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> you're really against this actual fight from happening. Right. I think it's a, it's a almost juicier storyline if you want to hook somebody – Real quick, because at the basis, it's heel, heel versus, you know, uh, versus uh, babyface like we talked about, it, all those other things. It's still MMA versus boxing. And to casual fans, I mean, my dad just asked me recently, you know, there's still no rules, right? They still don't have gloves and you can still punch in the crotch. Like, people still think it's literally <laughs> like, so the idea of the best boxer in the world against the number one UFC guy, to a lot of people, is still a thing. I want to see who's tougher. I want to see, maybe, maybe this guy, like, the people are so... Those are the people that buy this thing. Yep. There's no limit to how many people could possibly buy this thing. And when the when the promotional machine gets going, I mean, Ike, would you agree with me? Conor McGregor's press conferences, on average, are more exciting than most pay per view fights. I'm not even dude. One hundred percent. We were at the uh, UFC 205 presser downstairs at MSG. Like five hundred thousand. They definitely squeezed in more. We just heard all the Irish fans cursing. Any time any Eddie Alvarez had the mic in his hand, they were just demolishing his voice. Uh, I say this all the time. The line's starting at 12 to 1 in favor of Floyd. Dude, as soon as we see these Showtime countdowns or the pressers, Connor's a mental terrorist. This dude's going to snipe great, Floyd, line. and he's about to pull out, oh, can you read this, Floyd? Can you read this line? <laughs> I know you're illiterate. <laughs> and uh, you're just going to see the line uh, slowly go in favor of Connor's uh, favor. Uh, I, I always say this. Connor is the Tom Brady of mixed martial arts. Not the most physically gifted. You know, he doesn't have abs on abs like uh, Phil Davis, who you're about to speak to, uh, isn't like... Claudia Gadeja. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. But, dude, mentally, (laughs) the dude is a beast. Yeah, no question about it. Pete, okay, this thing's going to sell. It's going to be this great carnival. I've talked on my boxing podcast. I've talked on every radio show in the country. How I think this is really bad for boxing. I think this could really... Not shatter, but this could further stain the already broken boxing pay-per-view model, which is still in a hangover period from Mayweather-Pacquiao two years ago. Right. As an MMA fan reporter, how is this good or bad for the MMA side of things? Oh, you know, I was so torn on this because I'm like, oh, this is this is bad for the interim right now for UFC because we're still waiting to see Conor back in the in the cage. So for that, we have to wait a little bit longer. But, dude, no matter what happens from here on out, once Conor steps, steps in that ring... UFC numbers are going to go through the roof because you're going to want to see this guy. It's not going to be a blowout the way people are making it sound. Whoa, whoa. This is a bold statement from me I'm, right now. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you not right now. It's going to be a blowout. Have you seen 49 have tried and 49 have uh... Here, Here's the thing, though. Okay? And it, it is bold, but Connor amazes everybody. All right? I've seen him fight numerous times. And besides that Diaz mistake at 170 where he thought he could really knock him out, the second time around, he figured out, like, I have, need a different approach. And he's learned to calm himself down a little bit. And he could be wait back and find his timing and, and just wait to fight out. And last five rounds, listen, his condition needs to build up. We definitely know that. But he doesn't have to worry about being taken down. And he's been training for this since January. Everyone yeah. thinks, oh, it's signed book, eight-week camp. No, no. no. He, he knew this was going to happen the whole. He puts it in the universe and it happens. He knew this would happen six months ago. So you guys are essentially saying, like, let's not forget that this guy's mystical powers, believe in them or not. There's a track record. This guy has a track record of essentially saying bold things. And let's not forget, we thought that Chad Mendez was going to be the wrestler that would finally expose right. him. Jose Aldo would be the technical counterfighter that would finally expose him. Moving up in weight against Eddie Alvarez would finally expose I mean, on and on, right? Like, you know, Nate Diaz in the rematch would finally kill the aura of Connor. At 170. 
So if you are going to make that case for Connor, you do have to lean on the side that that maybe he's more connected to the cosmos or to the way the <laughs> or or to the maybe he's got an evil crystal ball. There's something there where this guy overachieves and raises his ceiling to levels we didn't think. But man, is this a reach in the box side? No, no, and I know people. Oh, you're is, you're not is. saying he's going to maybe be competitive to win the fight. You're just saying it's not you're, It's not going to be a laughing stock. Is that what you're saying? That's I'm what I'm saying. words in your mouth. No, no, no. <laughs> it is, it's not going to be a laughing stock. And for sure, uh, a lot of people I've heard about from the boxing fans. I've, I, this, past, uh, this past Thursday or whatever it was, I was at my one of my stepkids' uh, graduations, and I was talking to a, everyone starts talking about, oh, the Mayweather-McGregor, it's unbelievable. Do you want to, they're talking about it. They go, well, the, all our boxing fans, mind you, they tell me, oh, well, he's not going to last. His conditioning's not that good. He'll be knocked out by the fourth or fifth round because he just can't last. I understand that, that, that it's 12 rounds, but the guy is going to train his butt off. There's no, there's no, he's not going to go embarrass himself. Listen, it's a huge payday. He's already won that battle, but he wants to win the fight. So he's, I don't, I don't, I don't discount that. I, I, I just have a history of seeing top championship unbeaten boxers n- not be able to touch Floyd Mayweather for that. Right, and this is sort of a, se- a separate debate of, of can he be competitive. I want to just take one step back here, like for the MMA world in terms of the embarrassment, the if there is going to be an embarrassment, the the sort of reputation is there anything to lose i mean because you see a lot of mma fans or fighters supportive of what connor's doing they're they're saying wow look what we did as you know as mma we got into a pay-per-view match against floyd mayweather that's going to you know push five million pay-per-view buys is there anything negative that 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 could spin off an mma from this dude absolutely if this dude gets knocked out gets smoked in the first second or third round from a knockout uh what do boxing fans have they have uh, leverage and then three weeks later they have another huge fight in Canelo and Triple G, that they can be like, you know, we're taking over. And Delahoya is going to spike the ball oh, yeah. as soon as he like. Oh, he'll dance on the grass. <laughs> There's no question. All about that. So yes, there is something to lose if Connor goes down early. All right, here's my my. I have a lot of people coming back at me on Twitter saying like, you know, you're being an old guy. You're being yeah. you're being too boxing centric and too caught up on not wanting to see your sport dip further into the big top carnival. Like because this fight, we're not. We're not fooling. That's the biggest thing. I call this the biggest money grab in in, oh, in sport yeah. in combat sports history because oh, yeah. there's been a lot of Floyd fights where they fooled the general public. When in reality, behind the scenes, the experts know that this nice Carlos Baldemir, You're not going to touch Floyd for 12 rounds. I'm sorry, like it's not going to happen. Attenborough. This fight, they're mm. not fooling around in a lot of ways. They're putting it out there and almost. Yeah, you know, Leonard Ellerby's talking up how Connor can punch suddenly, but for the most part, they're not fooling around. My problem outside of that, and that is part of my problem is the individuals. I went on a long rant in my boxing podcast about, hey, Floyd, if you're still 40, if you're 40 and you're still the number one fighter in boxing, a lot of big money paydays that matter in the sport. Don't go for 50 and 0, which is sort of this renowned number breaking Rocky Marciano's, you know, 49 and 0 mark. Trademark okay. 5, 50 and 0 uh, shirt symbol. Exactly. Uh, He's got five trademarks <laughs> against the guy who's never fought before. So that's my boxing side. From an MMA standpoint, here's why I'm upset. Tell me if you guys agree or disagree. Connor, it's a great stat. He's had two UFC belts. He's never defended either of them. He held the featherweight ti- <laughs> featherweight title hostage in 2016. Now in 2017, he's holding the lightweight title hostage. If you're an MMA fan, you don't want to see a year go by. Stop without- bringing up facts, Brian. Bri- Stop Brian, can I just can I just say something? So this is I've been quote, saying this now for about two months. Connor, I love Connor so much. He is a conqueror of all, master of none. He has not defended a, bu- a belt yet. He has it, and and it bothers me. And every time I'm saying, okay, he needs to, he needs to needs to fight Diaz again, or he needs to fight Jose Aldo again, and, and Ike's always telling me, no, there's somebody else. I want this fight. I want that fight. I'm like, just defend at least once. Do one rematch, please, just for me. 
I'm so not. The, I'm, I don't have as much integrity as Pete. <laughs> I want to. I want to see it. So it, it is frustrating. That's why I was pushing for this fight not to happen. Yes, because I do. I did want to see him at least defend the belt, so I could be like, okay, this guy is truly one of the best all time MMA guys. But he's not. He can't be the greatest of all time yet. He he just can't. No, he can't. I mean, there's a. He's already not following a typical path. He's breaking financial records, breaking pay-per-view records. He's already uh, developed essentially a Connor belt, which means, you know, fighting him is a championship. He, he's, he's the Floyd of his own sport. Just getting in the cage with him is a financial championship for other people. That's a great point. It's almost to the point where they should just strip him of all belts, put the pay-per-view <laughs> super fight title. Because guess what, guys? If he does come back in December, win or lose against Mayweather like Dana White hopes, he's not going to fight uh, Ferguson. He's not going to fight right. Habib. Guess who he's going to fight? GSP. And just try to break the UFC pay-per-view record. And you know this, man. Right, Ike? Come 100%, on. 100%. Uh, I... Well, I'll include GSP then in this. He could go for the third title in Tyron. He could do GSP or the Nate Diaz trilogy. Uh, Nate Diaz is hysterical. Yeah, this yeah. dude's taking a time off. He, he made his million. He's opened weed dispensaries. He's, smo- <laughs> he's smoke- smoking out of a glove. Uh, th- and he's just training tri- triathlons and uh, get ready for whenever Connor comes back. And I think it would be even bigger. That payday, everybody's laughing. They're like, oh, what is Connor? Why would, he- if he gets this rumored 125 mil, why would he come back to the UFC? 50 mil for Connor and maybe 20 for Nate isn't too bad in a payday if you're doing December at MSG, hopefully, baby, and NYC, so we'll be there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's plenty, like, Connor has the leverage and everything, and I'm just glad he worked it out with Dana. And that's, and honestly, just to get back to this whole thing about, uh, uh, Floyd and, and money and 50 and 0, there, who, which boxer, in your opinion, would bring as big of a draw for a 50 and 0 fight? I know a lot of boxing. Uh, I mean, like, I, I don't want to see it, but I guess you could do a Pacquiao rematch. You yeah. could sell the Pacquiao shoulder injury. I don't want to see that, by the way. Right. I'd rather you fight a young, as Floyd would say, a young hungry lion, right? <laughs> fight Keith Thurman, fight Errol Spitz, fight somebody. Because guess what guys used to do in, in sports, especially combat sports? Pass the torch, right. right? Mayweather's not a pay-per-view star if De La Hoya doesn't pass the pay-per-view torch for him on May fifth, two thousand seven. I only remember that because it's my wedding, and if I don't, my wife's going to be all over me, right? So, <laughs> but come on, you know, like that's all right. I, I, you were probably in a point. I got to cut you off because we're going to run out of time eventually. And the last point I really want to make on Mayweather McGregor is something Dana White got a little angry at me, you know, in the in the call that that kicked off this this Mayweather McGregor <laughs> match. I'm a conspiracy theory guy. I can get caught in the puddles, right? I can dive head first into the puddles. <laughs> I think that the only reason Dana White was willing to do this and make that public 180 so dramatic is that, let's be the reality of 2017 in the UFC, guys. All your fighters aren't happy. They're complaining. Pay-per-view sales are down. You can't make the big matches that you want to. All your stars are on the bench. You need the money from that $4 billion sale. Is that a crazy theory in your guys' eyes? Because this was a pretty dramatic 180 from Dana White. We can't deny that. Dude, 100% not off. And there's nothing (laughs) wrong with your question. But the thing is, like, I said this before, all these guys, Espinosa and White, they're popping the champagne in the room. And then Mr. (laughs) Brian Conspiracy Campbell walks in and turn off the lights. And hey, hey, wait a sec. What are you guys doing in there? (laughs) Dude, it's, it's a fair question. 2017 is back to what MMA is. Like, MMA purists, we love it. You know, we like seeing Stipe. We like seeing Max Holloway. But not everybody knows this. So, yeah, this is kind of backloading the back of the year for 2017. And, oh, yeah, everybody, don't forget, the Fox TV deal ends in 2017. Point. What Great better point. way to send 2018 into, oh, guys, we had a nice uh, final quarter of the year. Uh, can we do a ESPN or CBS split? Can we do a Fox and CBS split? Because I heard they want to do, like, an NFC and AFC type of thing not with the cards. Not a bad idea. So, uh, you're not... You're not wrong at all, but the timing. And we, Dana and White's like, are you kidding me? When you spend $4 billion, you acquire debt that needs to be paid off on a timeline, right? No. If you're getting on, under your math, like for what Connor could be making, if $40 million of that, let's say, under, you know, the, the, if that goes to the UFC, 
they're not making forty million on any other card that I'm seeing right now. No, because every single star has basically dropped out. I mean, they're trying to bring GSP back, but he hasn't fought yet. Uh, Ronda Rousey's nowhere to be found. Uh, Connor's nowhere to be found. You know, so they need so- they needed something, and this this is definitely this is definitely all it right. To them. close on this point for Mayweather McGregor before we move on to Bellator, and I'm going to bring it right back at you. I'm going to hassle the Hoff here. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen to Dana White in MMA is that Conor McGregor somehow wins this Floyd Mayweather fight, true or false, because you'd get the rematch next, and then Conor would be so filthy rich that he might say, hey, maybe i do a couple more boxing matches, and then i get the heck out of here. Uh, yes, because there's definitely more money in boxing right now, no question. And then there's the, the Triple G Canelo fight. You know, so if, if maybe they want to do that, you know, maybe, maybe that text Pete you, 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 te- you text me. I'm going to steal your quote because Ike literally texted me that the other day, so I'm going to steal his line. But there's a possibility. You never know. Connor, it's where the money is. That's where he's been going the whole time. So he'll he'll buy into that, no question. So that is a bad, bad thing for UFC unless there's some sort of like written stipulation in, in the in the agreement, which there, there seems to be a lot of fine print. I think <laughs> there's no there's yeah, no kicking and punch. There's if, no if kicking Connor and elbows. A spinning wheel kick. You will you will see court time, right? You will be paying a hefty fee. You know. By the way, secret under the under the radar, no one's talking about. The only concession Floyd seemed to give was that it would be at 154. When logically it would tell you why wouldn't Floyd, who had been a longtime champion at 47, make Connor, who oh, recently yeah. been fighting at 70 and 55, to come down to 47 and let Leonard Ellenbury on the call goes no. Floyd was more than willing to give that to Conor. You know what he was really more than willing to do? In boxing, you fight in 8-ounce gloves up to 147. At 154, you go to 10-ounce. Yep. No one pulls uh, anything by Floyd, just so yeah. all of you out there know that. we got to get off of this and get onto a card that guys are popping for this weekend. New York City, Dude. your backyard. I mean, they are coming to your city with Bellator <laughs> NYC, which is apparently the name of this pay-per-view this is only the second pay-per-view in Bellator history and when you go back and look up what was the first it was that forgettable was that 2014 2015 yep, I believe yeah. Bellator 120 I believe it was right Am my numbers right on that I'm pretty sure Rampage King Mo it was Rampage King, King Mo it was in like I think we may have been on a casino riverboat in, in the Mississippi somewhere. <laughs> I remember Chandler got hurt. He got pulled off the card. The, the, it sold right about 100000 It's a forgettable one. This is them going all in when Scott oh, yeah. Coker and company said, we're not going down the pay-per-view road. Well, guess what? You are now. You could not make a bigger splash than me. I mean, I grew up in Connecticut where fights at the Garden, concerts at the Garden. I don't care if you're going to a circus at the Garden. It still means something. And I think it still means something in this case. This is their all-in moment. From uh, 100%, man. And you got... The funniest thing, it's like, you, you, they're two 40-year-old guys at the <laughs> Vandalay Silva. Oh, hey, Mr. Sonnen. <laughs> and then you got Chael Sonnen, the American gangster. Who's never lost a fight in his life, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, we don't care about their records. We don't care about the, the tests, the steroids. You know, somebody at the initial presser tried to get on them with USADA and Bellator. I'm like, just shut up. Enjoy the show. Yeah. Because that's what this really is. You know, I'm taking in the moment. I'm, I'm going to buy in the Chael's craziness of uh, Vanderlei's pride they're showing that's all they're showing uh you got it because you can't show the UFC highlights but go. I just love it just buy into the names you know hopefully Fedor has a moment uh maybe Mitrione has a moment he played for the Giants maybe he comes back to NYC and shows it Chandler's on this card so you know just just enjoy the moment buy the card if you're not buy some tickets just enjoy the fight all right Pete I'm down for the Bellator model I had been for a long time which is in a way, it's almost Mayweather-McGregor, right? Like, it's playing on the weakness that we have of a society. Right. I just stuttered there because I was so excited. For freak fights, for circus acts, for old guys getting back in there, for nostalgia, all those things tied into one. 
But as deep as this card is, and we gave it credit, is this a $50 pay-per-view, though, in your mind, from what you see on paper? Oh, I heard it's 39 Did they bump no, it? No, 39 You're right. Oh. $39.99. Well, s- still, uh, regardless, I th- I think it is. I mean, the na- F- Fedor alone, I mean, I want to see the guy fight. Hashtag I- wash, though, bro. Let's not even fool around. Hashtag you know what, dude? Washed, I, don't, okay? I don't care. I still, I, Russian I, still want, I still want to watch him fight. I love watching him fight, dude. <laughs> I, 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 I went back to watch all his old fights recently. I'm like, these guys are like seven foot. He's facing. <laughs> these guys are like 800 pounds. It's like, this this guy's amazing. So him alone, I'll definitely buy the card. Um, but the Mitrione, I like to see him. You know, again, uh, Shell is is unbelievable. He's in his own world, and that alone is some, a spectacle. Now, whether or not he shows up to the fight is a different story. But and that's uh, the problem. Had this been his Bellator debut, coming off of the multi-year suspension for yeah. BEDs, we would have been a little bit more excited. But like that debut against Tito Ortiz, you talk about like Brian Campbell coming on the pre- on the conference call and pouring water, peeing on the fire. You know, this is <laughs> this this does take your enthusiasm to watch Chael do his shtick, and it kind of waters it down because that was some bad stuff against Tito Ortiz, and I, I mean that that's unexplainable. It's, it's it was awful, and <laughs> it was it was literally I, I, the whole fix in with the tap of the rear naked choke. I, so smart, the marketing and promotion team of Spike, the way they scripted it on the uh, the countdown. They just show, like, yeah, I was not in the right mindset that night, but whatever, we're moving forward to violence. You know, like, Chael can just just catch him in his, in his tsunami of madness. You know, if you just jump on board and forget about it, you're enjoy it, like I said before. But, yeah, uh, not a good look uh, with the Tito uh, tap. Like, literally a couple months ago, like, we're, I'm looking at the wiki, I'm like, uh, yeah, you just lost, and now th- you're the main event, but Whatever, I love you, Chael. Look, there's still old school promotion that could be at play here, and we know Sonnen and Vanderlei have the beef. We thought we were going to see him in the UFC where they fought in Brazil in the yeah. in the filming of Tough. I believe you know Tough Brazil was it back in the day. Yep. Is there still some old school? I don't want to say pro wrestling ish setups where maybe during the way in a press conference this week we can put hands on each other, we can get people to buy extra pay per views if you're Bellator. Oh yeah, no question. They're, they're going to do some ridiculous stuff. Chael, <laughs> there there is probably a written agreement saying you have to do this. You have to <laughs> put it say, in. We're not protecting K. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're going to see some wild stuff because they they definitely want to sell. And you're you're 100% right. Like, I I love Bellator because it is kind of like the WWE where they want, they'll put, listen, Connor Diaz. Uh, three will happen, but it's gonna happen in Bellator. They're gonna find that in, in 15 years. They're gonna put that fight together, and if that's okay, but that's where it is. And understand that they're gonna put these gr- these great names. They might be out of their prime, but you want to see them. I I love it when they put Frank Sh- Shamrock on the card. I'm gonna watch it. So this you have to do it inside baseball here. I was able to visit the CBS Sports you know offices in Fort Lauderdale. I did a po- great podcast with Sugar Rashad Evans. Talked to him. Had a few drinks afterwards. Feel like part of the family. It, I won't tell you his answer because this was off the record, but it wasn't long before a couple drink Campbell started saying, what's it going to take to get you and Belfort in the Bellator cage? All right, it wasn't long for me to throw that out there. You know, I'm just saying that's how much we get pulled into these mm-hmm. ideas of these nostalgic ones. They got a good one here with Son and Silva as bad as Son and look. Mm-hmm. Fedor, uh, you know, this is a, uh, it's a bad matchup for him against Matt Mitrione. I mean, uh, Mitrione has been buzzed recently in the, under the Bellator, you know, against the jobber and, and had to come back and win that fight, but He's, you know, he's a southpaw. He's long. He's unorthodox. Fedor has not been looking good. So you're selling Fedor's sweater here. You're selling that the, you know, the, the conqueror is coming back to America. He's going to be carried out of that cage on his back. I mean, I have that. Can, can you make any case that he's not? I'm going to say it's a win-win, though. I really, it's it's a coin toss for me because I love both. And the the best part about this, why it's a win-win, I believe they just signed Roy Nelson. Yeah, Fedor wins, stops Mitrione. You got the fat man contest of the world. <laughs> Mitrione wins. You got the, uh, I believe, the ultimate fighter rematch. Maybe they met after the ultimate fighter, but then you could do the rematch, sell it that way. 
So either way, it's a win-win. And dude, Tito and Chuck's on the horizon. Just like uh, he's saying, uh, Nate and Connor is going to be 15 years later. Bellator is quoted they want to be the Yankees of MMA and overpay. So uh, they're sticking to that model. So it's going to be fun. Ryan Bader's on the card and Phil Davis on the card. I mean, they both former UFC guys, and they're yeah. no joke. No, no, that, uh, that, think, that's that, probably. I was going to say that might be the best. That's going to be. The main event of the Spike card, which they're calling Bellator 180, same arena, same night before the pay-per-view starts, that might be the best is, fight on the card. Is that to catapult people, though, into the pay-per-view? Yeah, like, I think is so. It, like, show these uh, these great athletes in their prime. Bader and Davis could compete at the UFC 205 division. And uh, I feel it's just going to catapult into... Uh, the uh the pay per view card so just well they're, they're certainly smart the the greatest addition they made to this card and look there's super prospect Aaron Pico on it you know Michael Chandler all action defending his title Douglas Lima defending his welterweight title but the smartest acquisition for the card may have been Mike Goldberg Moore Ronaldo oh, names you goodness. know and love they oh, finally yeah. announced Boy. today Goldberg will host the studio desk Moro's going to be back on the call you got to pop for that I think just on familiarity of of the voice right because Goldberg is so closely associated still with the UFC, rightfully so, after nearly 20 years. He was the voice. You tune in randomly, you're going to you're gonna pop. You might buy the pay-per-view just by tuning in just to hearing his voice. Coker has been doing a great job with signing fighters, signing uh, play-by-play guys. I mean, he's – listen, and, and there's another name, too, that I, we really like locally, this Heather Hardy, who was supposed oh, to yeah, be – Oh, yeah, the in, boxer. In, yeah, she's a, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, she was supposed to be an Invicta. That fight went fell through, and now they signed her. They're making some really smart, intelligent moves. And yet, you know what? They might not have to overpay – but that's going to help them in the in the long run, for sure, no question. And uh, I, I keep saying, how is there a prop bet of how many times Mr. Goldberg says the octagon? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that is copyright. They might have to have a lawyer seated next to him, right, like just in case. But is is this a future? I mean, Scott Coker said this is something we you know we might try to. This is the future. We're going to do more of this. Do they need though to have a sustained pay per view model to do more than just old UFC names? Do we have to really develop these next generation guys and make fights uh, that matter outside of that? Or can you get away for a long stretch with bringing in Vitor Belfort, which constantly re-rolling the dice with all these washed up rampages that you have there? You're going to have to because I think that's still like a UFC thing right now. UFC still bringing in the GSP. They, they brought in BJ Penn. I understand that BJ Penn didn't find the pay-per-view, but they, they'd like him to if possible. If he, yeah. can, if he could sell a card, sure. That's going to be the thing for for a while with Bellator because they have a lot of talent that's underneath there. But it's just, again, it's not the name brand right now. UFC, if you think MMA, it's UFC. You know, if you think baseball, it's MLB. That's that's Bellator. Yeah. Bellator's not there yet, but they can. They have time to catch up. It, right now, it, this Conor McGregor fight versus, uh, versus Floyd could help them too, man. It really Agreed. can. Agreed. In terms of just pushing MMA out there and continuing to keep, yeah. it, in, keep yeah. it in your people, face? People, spell his name right. This is what I love, that everybody's looking up Connor, but it's one N, people. C-O-N-O-R. <laughs> well, the best thing that can help Bellator is that's their model, right? Their model is already to do the circus fight. So, hey, if you like circus fights, we got a whole, we got we a whole you know, organization of this. <laughs> Either way, I'll be in attendance. Bellator NYC, the Bellator 180 preliminary card underneath at the Garden. Will you guys also be in there as well? Oh, no question. 100%. Man. All right. High fives, hand, hand, hand pounds all around for this one. Guys, on the way out here, I got to thank you for letting me let the invasion angle happen. Let the in this corner invade the outside the cage pocket. <laughs> Where can people, if they like if they like these strong male voices in here, listen to you guys, find you guys on social media and more? Drop drop some plugs. Uh, well, WFAN.com, we have a, uh, uh, what is it, Ringside Sports tab on there, which has all our podcasts each week. Every Thursday, go to at underscore outside the cage, which is our Twitter uh, handle, and pretty much anything outside the cage. Facebook, we're all there. I'm at the Hoff WFAN at the at <laughs> at Ike underscore CBS. 
Pleasure, guys. Pleasure to be part of your pod. Love to have you back on as well. Mine again. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me in the room here. Catch catch the Pope Francesca walking around here. Might, might get a high five on the way out. Yeah, as long <laughs> as you're not couple drink Campbell. It will be okay. <laughs> as long as I don't rain, rain on anybody else's MMA parade, you know. <laughs> no, but dude, thank you very much for having us, man. This is awesome. So Appreciate it, brother. I'd like to do it again soon, man. Awesome. Many thanks once again to Ike Feldman and Pete Hoffman. But let's dive even deeper into Bellator NYC with a very entertaining chat I had with the meathead himself, Matt Mitrione. Look, there's a Kimbo Slice story coming your way, like I mentioned, that you don't want to miss. Enjoy. The In This Corner podcast continues the New York invasion on CBSSports.com. Heavyweight Matt Mitrione is in the building here for Bellator NYC. It's a big move for Bellator MMA. This is a second pay-per-view in company history, but taking over Madison Square Garden. Matt, welcome to the pod. Thanks for being here. I grew up in Connecticut. It means something for a fight, a circus, for anything to be inside MSG. For you as a fighter... How much does that add to the significance of this week for you? You know, that's actually a, a, a great question, and it's mildly loaded because um, there's so much going on with this fight already, and there's so many moving parts to it that a little bit that it's in the garden kind of gets lost. Like the pay-per-view, Chael, Fedor, the opponent, um, Vandalay and Chael, that whole drama scenario. Oh, yeah. Uh, the three title fights, like like the, 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 the debut You're of You're selling Vader. this better than I am right I now. Mean, dude, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot going on there. So, like, the fact that it's in, like, the the arena uh, is is really um, it is awesome, especially considering the fact that I used to play for the Giants. Since I played for the Big Blue and I have mad family out here, both my, my, my maternal and paternal sides are from here. Like, they're Lindhurst, uh, Secaucus, Nutley, West Caldwell. Uh, Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Illinois, okay. but my father and mother all came out from this part. So I have mad extended family out here also. So it's, it's a really cool spot. It's a great feeling to be out here, but it kind of gets lost in the shuffle a wee bit. The world's most famous arena still means something. You're, of course, fighting Fedor Emelianenko. That, that, would, that could be a story in any arena, in any situation. Mm-hmm. You were supposed to face him, of course, in San Jose. This was going to be a, a big Bellator tentpole event. How happy are you now under... Under some tough circumstances, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that in a second. But how happy are you that the rescheduling is for an event like this? How much does that change for you? You know, uh, I, I am, I'll tell you what, like, I've been a, a remarkable idiot my entire life. <laughs> and somehow I have these guardian angels that are, that work overtime. And somehow, like, every dumb thing that can possibly happen or a thing that happens in my life usually works out for the best in some way, shape, or form. And it happened once again in this situation. Like, I was supposed to fight in the Shark Tank in San Jose. San Jose, great place. Awesome place to be around. Awesome. It's not Madison Square Garden. The Shark Tank is not the garden at all. Uh, and the fact that we get guys, like, we get these three title fights. We get uh, Bader Davis. We get... Bader know, Davis might be the best fight on the card. I don't want to insult anybody on there. I'm just talking about, like, that's a great fight, and that's not even on the pay-per-view. That, that's a good That's a good thing, right? And think about this. Now that they've come over from the UFC, they don't have show-and-win purses anymore. So there's no reason to fight safe. So now it's like, well, to hell with it, man. I'm, I'm going to let it go. <laughs> because now, you, no matter what you do, you go put on a show, you're getting the same paycheck. So now you're free to get down. And the show and win is just a hustle anyways, right? So it's just a, it's just to make it look like you would have given this much money, but you really only gave that much money. Um, so it's really, uh, it's a great opportunity to see what Bader really has to offer and how Phil has grown. Now that he's a title holder, now he's fighting Bader again two years later. That's a great opportunity to see what, what, what Phil has been able to add to his arsenal and how he can change Bader's pressure. We're already in this fight. Let's stay here. The first one was under the UFC banner, a split decision. How different do you think this matchup will be from what we saw in that, where they stood up a lot? Two wrestlers stood up a lot in that. Yeah, match. because they negated each other's wrestling, right? Or they didn't want to get caught under under each, under one another. 
um, if they shadow on him. So I, I think that it, it'll be uh, much more action-packed. I think Bader will be much more free of throwing his hands. I think Phil will be a lot uh, more countering. I think Phil will counter Bader's aggression very well. I think it'll make a really interesting fight. The fight I think will be potentially the most exciting one. Um, really, damn, it's so difficult because um, um, what's his name? Uh, 155er. Chandler. Chandler versus Primus. That's a hell of a fight too because Primus has so much to, to prove. He's a massive underdog and Chandler is a full-fledged badass. So like, it, it's, 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 it's almost a win-win for Primus and he can't do anything wrong so why not go for broke? You know, like that's a great opportunity for him. And Lorenz Larkin is used to a massive stage and he's fighting Lima and Lima's no punk as it is. And he's the title holder for 170. I mean, hey, we've seen you so do some much. TV work. You're bringing it right now in this, in this analyst. I mean, part. Just You're breaking lot, it down. Man. You're already mapping out the post fighting future. I want to just touch back on how you lost that Fedor fight. It was for, for kidney stones. Uh-huh. My dad told me, Bry, this is worse than giving birth. Now, I don't think my dad's old, ever given birth, but break it, break it down to me. Come on. Your old man had stones before? Yeah, yeah oh, yeah. Dude, it, it, it was... Uh, Hospitalized twice from him. Dude, it, it, I, I, the, the time I passed him, it was the fourth time I'd ever passed him. Uh, um, ah, I'm, actually, I'm, already, one, I'm already touching dude, the feel spot right now. Just kind of like... Oh, it was insane amount of, uh, of, of discomfort and, and pain. And this happened on a Saturday. On Wednesday, I was in a doctor's office in Indianapolis, and they were going to my pee hole, taking out 24 Ooh, stones wow. out of my kidney. This is, by my, the way, the In This Corner podcast takes you into the pee hole. This is great, great analysis, right? This it. is in the pee hole right here. Um, I had, uh, 24 stones in my right kidney and none in my left. None at all. And so they went through, they took them out. 24 stones? Yeah. And then left, left a, a 26 centimeter stint from, from my pee hole with a strain coming out of it up into my kidney to help it drain. And I had to take it out on my own five days later. Okay. You've been, you're a fighter. You're a badass. You're an ex NFL player. Pain wise, is this is this as bad as it gets? Nothing came close. Wow. Nothing came close. All right. Well, you pull, pulling out that stint. Oh God! Uh, you, you can't see him now, but, he, but he's sort of Matt's sort of but bending over. He's sort of reaching nothing down. Nothing compared to it. Dude. I'm getting secondhand. They talk about secondhand smoke. I'm getting the residual pain over here. I'm squirming right here. Well, you're back in a good spot. Like we said, it worked out well. Cole main event against the legend Fedor. Now Fedor's coming back to America. This is a great storyline. Some people, though, will counter and say, well, the guys look a little washed lately, right? Am I right? You're obviously preparing for the best version of Fedor. Uh-huh. You hope for the best version of Fedor. How do you actually believe what where Fedor is right now as a fighter compared you, to his prime? You know, that's really difficult to say uh, because his, his last two showings haven't really been that good. And they've, they, it's been, and his last showing, if you go to back to his last time he looked really good, it was a long while ago. Um, but he starts off fast. That's the thing about him. If Fedor can push his tempo on you, if you can sustain – the first three minutes, four minutes, you'll probably do okay. But that first four minutes is like a freaking hurricane. It's going to be punches and bunches. And it's going to be a lot of pressure. He's going to lunge, physically lunge at you because he doesn't mind if he gets nipple to nipple because he's such a good Sambo guy. He'll dump you on your head and folds up like a pretzel. Nipple to nipple, way more intimate to just say chest to chest. That nipple to nipple is perfect. We got to bring that into this podcast. Like I said, we're already in the pee hole. Exactly. I mean, we got anatomy down here. This is obviously a, a very glossy name on your resume that you have an opportunity to defeat. Is this, though, you're the more toward the tail end of your career than the beginning. Is this the most important fight of your career, considering all the circumstances, the name, the setting, all of that? Maybe. I I, I don't know. Um, it could be. I mean, it's, it's said I've lost the big-name fights that I should have won. I never got my ass kicked in them. I lost because I made mistakes, and, and they were good enough to capitalize on them, which is the difference, right? Like, the difference between a good fighter and a great fighter is the fact that a great fighter capitalizes on whatever mistake was made, whether you made me make that mistake or not, 
but they have the, the timing to capitalize on that one mistake at that time and do as much as they can at that moment. So um, maybe this is a time where I am able to cross over that hump, right? Where I cross that bridge, where I finally become uh, in my own as good as I can possibly be, or I I I I I put hands on Fedor and give him a clinic, where it was like, holy shit, he got a, a whole lot better. You know, this is the guy we've been waiting to waiting to see. If you win, and maybe you can't answer this, I don't have access to your contract. Do you get the sweater? I think it's going to charity, which is more gooder than coming to me. Okay. So I'm good with that. Uh, and and um, because that's but, a legendary sweater. I saw that video package the the fellows at Bellator put out. It was, it was impressive. It, it was, that was great. Wasn't it? It was like, great. Knitting it up. But a- after I win, I'm gonna ask my man Donald Trump to bring us out there, to bring me out to the the White House. Be like, hey, let's do this thing. Let's get this thing done, baby. And if, if well, I don't want to put you know an opportunity in your hands, or but people like to give the president when they win a championship the jersey, you know, with their name on the back, number one. What if you gave DT the the, the sweater? sweater. Would, would it mean anything to him? He's got friends I, in Russia. You know what it means. I, I was gonna say, I, I, Putin might have loaned it to him already. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask a question about your style because I've always liked it. Tall southpaw, unorthodox. Right. Very. We know you have the NFL background, but what is your fight background to sort of fuel this unorthodox style? You know, it's athleticism. That's my, my stand-up style is purely because of my ability to move. Uh, and, and that's why I fight with my hands lower because it's easier to move with my hips and be harder to move with my hands up here. So, um, so, uh, mobility, athleticism, coordination, explosiveness. That's my fighting style. And that's the way I move because I'm not a rock'em sock'em robot. I can do it. I got the chin for it. But what's the point? I want to be able to remember my kids and be able to pick them up. I don't want it to be told about it. One of your biggest victories did come against Kimbo Slice. Uh-huh. It's, it's a year a- after his passing. You've seen a lot of tributes lately. From the time you knew him facing him or, or knew him afterwards, do you have any any story to share with us that, that encompasses the kind of person he was, the, the relationship that you may have had with him? I do. I do. I got two of them. Number one, uh, Kimbo is one hell, was one hell of a barbecue sauce maker. Really? Whether it's like a Carolina mustard sauce or like a, a, a molasses-based uh, sweet sauce, could make one hell of a sauce. Uh, could really cue it up too. Could, could get down on a steak. Um, second thing is, <clears throat> all right. So this is gonna, this is gonna take you to church a little bit here. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've, I've already been deep in, into, I don't want to say deep into your body, but we've already gone past the pleasantries. <laughs> right. We're already into it here. All right. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna go back to the PO, but in a different way. So we're sitting around, right? This is like towards the end of the Ultimate Fighter. And we're sitting around and, uh, and like a handful of us were kind of listening to, to Kimbo story time, almost like, ooh, let's, let's see what he's gonna, what kind of pearls of wisdom he's gonna give us here. And uh, he was talking about, hey, look, man, once things are going to be different after this fight, especially for those who get who stay in the UFC. Like you're going to travel a lot more. Your life's going to be really different. The attention's going to be different. I'm going through it now. I can tell you about wh- what I've experienced. Okay, cool. And he's like, look, man, for those of you guys stick around and then you guys are going to start traveling a lot. If you have any questions on your girl, even if you don't have questions on your girl, it's like he's like, I got something for you that that that'll put your mind at ease or prove what you need to know. All right, what's up? He looks around the room, right? And he kind of has us all staring at him. And he's like this. Before you leave, go to the master bedroom. Go to the master bathroom. Lift up the toilet seat. Wipe everything down. Totally clean. Bleach I'm at the edge it. of my seat for where this is going. Please. Bleach wipe it. Okay. He's like, now when you come back, no matter how long it's been, first thing you do, go to that master bathroom. If there's piss dribble on that seat, some dude's been stepping in your bed. Oh. And I was like, and we were all like, 
That's next level oh, no. sort of <laughs> planning and plotting. He right? took us to church, dude. <laughs> like, like as soon as it came out, we we're all like, "Oh my god!" Like, like we literally, like all of us were just like, <laughs> "Like right, he wasn't innovator. He he innovated chest hair designs, oh, right? For sure. I mean, there was like the the spider web on yeah. one side with a tattoo. There was one side was shaven, one side was not. Uh, you know, uh, a legendary individual. Oh, dude, that, that's that's church. That is, that is some some deep stuff right there. <laughs> Before we wrap this up, big fight for you this weekend, but you do have the NFL history. Any any locker room fights where you took some people to church? No, never, man. Never. Like, we, like my NFL days were, were awesome. There was Strahan, it was Seahorn, uh, Tiki Barber, Jeremy Shockey. Well, that's not true. Jeremy and Brandon Short scrapped in camp, but that was pretty well uh, reported on. Uh, but other than that, man, like, th- those dudes, especially Stray, had a stranglehold in that locker, man. That was his place. Right. That was his. That was his church. Did they know that they know? Like, did, were did you have MMA intentions vocally at that point? Where, no. where no one would have known. Right? I was an inventor back then. I had a couple ideas. I was I was I was looking to file some patents. Never got them done. Uh, some for some medications. Some for some uh, some pressure plates on brake pads. Uh, Interesting. To, There's a deep fellow right here. There's like, no meathead here. Come on. Got a little bit working. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got an invention now. I've got a wearable technology that uh, Bellator is going to be using in their next primary fights. Um, and, uh, so I mean, yeah, dude, I, 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 I'm a thinker for sure. But, uh, you know, most of the time it wasn't really fights. It was more like, Hey, let's, let's see what we can do. How can everybody help each other out? It was cool. I'm going to force gum vibe. And I mean that in a compliment way, meaning, you know, you play in the NFL, you, you played a pretty high level in the fight game. You're still ready to co-main event a, a, a pay-per-view and you're inventing things. I mean, what you got, you got political aspirations. Where, where else is the Matt Mitrion brand going to go in the next 30 to 40 years? I got a lot of skeletons for that political aspiration, <laughs> buddy. but if we ever get a union, I might be the guy to talk about that. <laughs> There it is. Saturday, Bellator, NYC, Matt Mitrione against the legend, Fedor Emelianenko. Thanks for stopping by here, man. Best of luck to you. Hey, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate the time and the effort. I'll tell you what. Say what you will about Mitrione as a fighter. He's had some ups. He's had some downs. But this guy is becoming a modern-day renaissance man in terms of his lifestyle versatility. One heck of a storyteller, too. Still trying to recover from being taken to church on that Kimbo Slice story, but that's great stuff. Next up, Mr. Wonderful Phil Davis coming at you, Bellator NYC. Enjoy. In this corner, we'll now welcome Phil Davis, the Bellator light heavyweight champion. This Saturday's Bellator NYC pay-per-view, the Bellator 180 card on Spike. Phil, thanks for being here. You'll be in the main event against a guy you know very well, Ryan Bader. I want to ask you first, though, sort of the... The New York City aspect, the significance, mm-hmm. this card. Right. Where were you raised? Uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Does the, does the garden still, is it the more, world's most famous arena to you? Is this, is this, is this sort of a, a mountaintop moment in that regard for you? Oh, absolutely. It absolutely is the world's most famous arena. And, uh, you know, I, I really hadn't imagined myself ever competing in the garden up until, up until I was, uh, signed to fight. So, uh, you know, it's really, uh, it's, it's really a surreal kind of moment. This is a, a big step forward for Bellator, the, the second pay-per-view in company history. You know, a lot on the line here, a lot of big right, names on right, the card. Right. You, though, for my money, is, is in the best match of the card, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's in that, that, that important spot as the main event on Spike to sort of lead into the pay-per-view. Right. How happy are you with that placement in terms of what role this fight will play for the card? Man, you know, it's the, it's the perfect alley-oop. It is, <laughs> it is the, it's the setup fight. You know, uh, we, we got to lead them in with a lot of excitement and, um, and, uh, set the stage for, uh, for a great night of fights. You know, we mentioned off the top that, that you know Bader well, right? You mm-hmm. guys, I mean, I, I'm hearing a little bit deeper. You wrestled in college. Oh, yeah. 
Give me a little breakdown on how that went down, the history there. So the history of uh, Ryan and I in college, uh, he wrestled at Arizona State, so we never faced each other in the in the regular season, only at the postseason. So two years in a row, I faced him at the national tournament, and both times I eliminated him, sent him down to the uh, Constellation bracket. Nice, nice. So yeah. then when you fought each other two years ago in the UFC, mm-hmm. split decision victory for Bader, which goes down as your last loss in MMA, if I'm correct. Correct. How much was that sort of rivalry and play heading into that where he was looking to maybe one-up you for, for that run of handling him on the college side? You know, uh, it was definitely at play. It was definitely at play, and I, 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 didn't, I didn't know how much it was at play until he walked away with the W, and I said, that turkey. <laughs> you know, you know, I was like, man, this cat, you know, he, he went in there like, like, like I owed him money. You know what I mean? And I, it's just not something, and, and I respect him for it, you know? And uh, a lot of people say, oh, it's a close fight. Do you think you went? Listen, no, I don't, I don't play that game. I play, if you walk away with the win, you, you, you're going to wish you didn't. Because now I'm going to train in a dark cave like the dark night and emerge from the ashes and I'm going to kick your butt. January 2015 was that fight. It was in Stockholm, Sweden. Split decision, like I mentioned. Not a lot of wrestling in that one. That that, no. was, that was a striking match. Right. When you go back and sort of identify what went wrong there, what are you looking at in that one? Well, you know, a lot of things went wrong in that fight. Uh, I didn't get going early. And then I got like a, it wasn't an eye poke. I think he kind of punched me and his thumb went in my eye, which is, is no fault of his own. You know, it's just nature of the beast, you know. I should have moved my eyeball out the way. And, uh, it, you know, it really, it, people don't fully understand what it's like to uh, have something like that happen while you're on the stage of your life. That's like, uh, it's like having, I, I can't even explain it. But anyhow, so uh, it, it, that that really played into the fight. So this time, got to got to duck and dodge and, and move around. Don't let them, don't let them get to my eyes. <laughs> You win the Bellator Light Heavyweight Championship last November. I, I was there in the front row watching you in Connecticut. Uh, an impressive victory over Liam McGarry. Yeah. When you hear the rumblings that Bader's contract up is in the UFC, he might be looking to make the leap. How much is that? How much were you reaching out saying, yeah, Bellator, sign this guy mm-hmm. and then set him up for me right away. Mm-hmm. I got to run this back. You know, I was just looking at my chops. I was like, no, nah, he's not going to do that. He's not crazy. He might be crazy. I hope he does it. I hope he does it. <laughs> And, you know, and sure enough, but the, the truth of the matter is um, he found out, like I did, that uh, in this instance, the grass really is greener on the other side. And uh, and I'm so glad, uh, aside from fighting him, I'm glad that um, he left even in uh, he was top. I think he was the number one contender at that point. He was uh, top three or four in the world and, uh, and made his way over to Bellator. And uh, now he's in a much better position. And uh, and same and same as myself. Um, so, um, now that he's here, he's in uh, he's in my world now. When you came over to Bellator in 2015, it was one of the bigger name signings, without a question. You know, Rory mm. McDonald followed you. There's been there's been a, a lot more since then. Oh yeah. There's a there's a movement going on. You mentioned the grass is greener on the other side. From your experience, why? Well, you know, um, a, a lot of guys they are hesitant to to test the waters because they they fear that they're either not going to get paid or they're not going to get fights or they're not going to this and not going to that. I'm not sure exactly what all those things are. But um I can tell you that if you just look at you know just 
it, for me, the decision was easy. I looked at my contract, I looked what I was going to get paid. I said, this is this silly, silly not to, silly not to. And uh, and so I signed it. It was it was it was that simple. And you're going to continue to see more big name uh, top ten guys coming over. Um, another top ten guy just got signed. Um, goodness gracious, Roy McDonald. You called. I mean, you're you getting got guys Valley Rotornu. You know, you're coming over here still in your yeah. prime. Oh yeah. You know, no disrespect to some of the other, let's say, faded names who are coming here to, to sure, get sure. another chance to main event, get some yep. good paydays. Is this going to continue in your eyes? Is it absolutely, it, absolutely. And it, and it has to because a lot of guys aren't getting – they are being overlooked uh, and they're not being uh, – plain and simple, they've had a, a change in change of guard. And, uh, the, you know, they're just not being looked after. Well, are you surprised – and look, you know, we're here to talk about Belter, but when you look at 2017 for the UFC, it's been the year of the angry fighter, the mm. year of the fighters stepping out and say, and making statements that you didn't normally see in, like, mm-hmm. say, the Fertitta era. Sure, sure, are sure. you surprised at all in, in the headlines that you're seeing constantly coming out from that side of the street? Well, I wouldn't say that guys were never that upset before, but at least if you did a favor, you had the opportunity of it, you know, coming back to you. Well, now that, uh, you know, those guys cashed out, they're gone. You did all those favors, and they're gone, baby. So, and I, I assure you, the new guy does not care. What all you've done in the past. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those situations and it's, it's not just like, uh, it's a, it, guys are disappointed at every level. And you, you got guys at the top, Demetrius Johnson, he's, I mean, he's on deck. You might as well sign him next. That surprised me. That surprised me. You got, uh, Jose Aldo. Um, you got, uh, he, I mean, he's said it many of times. And uh, I think he's just waiting for uh, for his contract to get in a position where he can become a free agent. Um, I think at one point Anderson Silva mentioned it. Uh, at I, one, I thought GSP might come over at, that, at one GSP point. GSP said it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened I mean, there. you got Conor McGregor in a boxing ring. Like, there's some things going on. And before that, he said some things. He said a lot of things. So would you? Would, are you happy, though, as a fighter to see more people taking control of their own destiny in, in any way that they choose to do Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, it's not just something I wish for the, my fellow fighters. That's what's something I wish for everybody. You know, if you can, uh, if you had the opportunity to, uh, you know, advance yourself and advance your, your career and have a better situation for yourself and your family, absolutely take it, you know. Would you have any concerns when you did come over to Bellator that there would be enough competition in your division, enough guys in their prime? You know, you may get the opportunity to fight the the Rampage Jacksons in sure, a fun main sure, event, sure. but that you would over time ha- have a deep enough following there to, to to you know marketable fun matchups for you. Well, there's two things you you just asked two things. Uh, number one, uh, the competition. Um, the, here's the weird thing about the competition is that. A lot of fans, the really, really knowledgeable fans that follow everybody regardless of what stage they're on, they kind of have an idea that there are great guys in both, uh, in, in a lot of different uh, organizations. And, and what you're seeing at the top level of Bellator is they are, they are just that. They're the top in the world. And that's regardless of organization. And, uh, I mean, uh, Frankie Edgar, not Frankie Edgar. What am I thinking? Eddie Alvarez, uh, prime example. Great example. I mean, show, showed himself incredibly well coming over. Incredibly from... well. Uh, same with Will Brooks. Um, and, and, and there's and the list goes on and on. I can name more guys. And I know more guys um, in Bellator. They're just world-class studs. You got uh, MVP, Michael Venom Page. 
Um, I mean, Michael Chandler. And, and they're just, and, and see, here's the thing. It's just they're just not as uh, heavily marketed yet. They haven't uh, had the same exposure. They haven't had the same uh, opportunity in front of the camera yet. But they are world-class stud athletes. How are you a different fighter four fights into your Bellator run than the guy who left the UFC? Uh, you know, there's a lot of time that went by. It's not just five, four fights in the UFC can go by in probably about eight months if you want to. But uh, that's about that was about two years for me. Um, and so I've had so much more time to grow in between fights. Um, a lot of times you'll see guys get, you know, four fights in a year, which is, you know, not a lot of time to prepare uh, outside of, you know, outside of preparing for one particular person. You're not really able to grow as a fighter. There's no off season. You don't, you don't get any downtime to work on skills. You get no prep time for, you know, uh, right. like spring ball you know you're just working on your arm just working on your swing that sort of thing working on your shot in the postseason um you you, you get none of that and so is the demand uh, to get back into it just afford the, the the life is that the demand to, to get back in there uh yeah i mean get back in there as soon as possible win lose or draw as long as you're as long as you're putting on great shows they want to see you back in there and that's that's not really uh it's not a really a great plan um so and, and i've had a lot of time in between fights just to work on one thing at a time, just going to the gym with one thing on my mind and just getting better each day, each week, you know, month after month. I'm just working on whether it be a jab or, you know, just my right hand, straightening it out or uppercut, whatever, just working on one punch at a time and slowly sculpting my game to look how I want it to. Well, I assume you're your harshest critic. You're a, you know, a top-level elite championship athlete. How close are you from reaching the pinnacle of of what you're able to do, 100% of Phil Davis. How close are you to that in your eyes? I don't know. I feel like you don't know that until after it's happened. Um, but I, I still feel like I have so much to learn. I still feel like I have so much to learn. Um, yeah, even in, in, in every area. I was working out with one of my uh, really good friends this past uh, couple of weeks. His name's Ed Ruth. He's uh Oh, we are, right? Uh-huh. You know it. That's what I'm talking about. Uh-huh. I, come on, I've done time. I've lived in Pennsylvania. I'm, You've done time? I've done what time in Bloomsburg, what? Pennsylvania. Wrong, wrong state pen, buddy. Yeah, yeah. You know, my, my grandparents <laughs> had, the, had the knee line on the side of their camper. Come on, All I right. lived the life. All right. Yeah, so he's uh, a three-time national champion, uh, four-time Big Ten champion, four-time All-American, good wrestler, to say the least. To say the least, yes. To say the absolute least. And uh, I had him in helping me uh, train for this fight, and it was just like, man, I have... I can pick up so much. For, and of course, he's fresh out of college, so his his skills are still sharp. When you've not been training with top-level wrestlers day in and day out and competing against top-level wrestlers, you lose some things, and, and rightfully so. You, you don't need a lot of that. But sometimes it's great to feel it and kind of know what you do in certain situations. And going with him, I was like, golly, man, this cat is good. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was great. It was, like, it was a breath of fresh air to be able to, to roll around with him and uh, – just pick up a couple of things from him. Uh, how happy are you with with the striker you evolved to? Always having that wrestling base. Mm -hmm. Where are you at in terms of that maturation? Because you're still relatively young. You've been in a oh, lot yeah, of absolutely. big fights, with a lot of big UFC names in your career. There's still the idea that that we haven't seen the full arsenal. So where are you at in striking in your eyes? Oh man, I've really been I've really been coming along, and it's something uh, I don't like to brag about. 
I'd but you rather... can brag about it on this on this podcast. It's so wonderful. <gasps> no, don't, don't be afraid no. of it. No, if I brag about it, then people will get scared. <laughs> you understand how this works? I brag. People get scared. I can't get fights. That's a good point. I'm trying to eat, baby. That's a good point. I'm trying to eat. <laughs> so, but uh, no, I've been trying. I've been maturing uh, very well, and just really, really don't great power lately. And uh, it's it's not about just having hitting hard. Uh, it's a lot about being precise and uh, being quick and precise and having uh, uh, being able to fire off rapid, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and staying in good position. That's another big one. So and I've been able to really take my time and learn that you can't learn that and, and just, uh, hey, stay in good position, throw a really hard punch. It's hard. And you have to it, it takes time in the gym to be able to keep yourself from getting excited when you see the opportunity for a big punch. And a lot of times you, you see that opportunity. Oh, man, I don't think he sees me. I can just throw a big right hand. And uh, you do, and you, you loop it a little bit. Now he sees the punch, and it's not the same punch because he sees it. So um, This is inside baseball here. I like this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Well, as you, as you enter this Bader fight, there's a, there's a competitive aspect. There's a storyline. You, you've got a lot of incentive to want to defend your title and one-up this guy who oh, beat yeah. you last time. Any bad blood, though, between the two of you? Absolutely not. He's, he's a good cat. He's a good cat. He really is. Uh, you know, I, I I like fighting guys who I really like because I want to be able to get up and uh, and shake your hands afterwards and say, "Hey, man, good fight." I, yeah, it's a great fight. I'm glad uh, glad you're all right. You still know, room and, for gentlemen in this sport, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Chael and Vanderlei. There's still room for guys to get along, right? Ooh. <laughs> Those guys certainly they are not friends. <laughs> They're certainly well, not friends. That's what sells, right? That's yeah. what moves paper. I don't know if products. that's a secret. But they are not friends. <laughs> not friends. Not friends. You can expect that. Before we get you out of here ahead of this Bellator NYC pay-per-view, I'm a big pro wrestling guy. I do pro wrestling podcasts. I'm an yeah. adult nerd. You're Mr. Wonderful. You got any respect for the, for the guy, the Paul Orndorff? How did the nickname attach to you from the beginning? Oh, of course. I've always got, always got love for the greats, man. i always got love for the greats. And, but, uh, no, I actually didn't get my name from Paul Orndorff, unfortunately. I actually didn't even know that there was a Paul Orndorff, the wrestler, when I, when I chose my name. But, um. Uh, so I had a cat in college, and his name, short version, short version is I had a cat in college. And uh, when I was away traveling with my wrestling team, my roommate threw a party. Who knows what happened to this cat? <laughs> he says the cat got stolen. I don't know if the cat ran away. Long story short, the cat never came back. And uh, and so as a as a running joke, I'm no I'm no axe murderer. I'm no uh, you know psycho killer i I just don't have that presence about me to uh to support a name like that so as a joke when i started fighting there like why don't you call yourself mr wonderful now keep the name alive so hey it's stuck you have it it's working bellator nyc on saturday you're gonna get the rematch fans phil davis ryan bader yeah but if you go back to the college wrestling days this is not a rematch this is the trilogy right oh no this is uh is this part four or five part four here this the, will okay. Then final question: Will the winner of Saturday's match win the rivalry? That's it. That's it. That's it. That's what's at stake. Not just the Bellator well, lightweight see, side, I, light I heavyweight title. Like, I feel like that's not fair for me to say that because I won two in wrestling, and now I'm going to win on Saturday. So he's like, "Well, you got to give me a rubber match in fighting." You know, <laughs> I'm just trying to be fair to 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 to, to Ryan here. A lot at stake either way. I'm looking forward to it. Phil, thanks so much for joining Thank us, you. man. 
Absolutely. Many thanks to all of my guests on the MMA edition of In This Corner this week. Hey, it's a four-podcast week from the Brian Campbell, so separate some free time. Check out our boxing episode as Rafe Bartholomew joins me to recap Ward Kovalev 2 and look at the impact of Mayweather McGregor on the boxing pay-per-view business, along with fun chats with Adrian Broner and Mikey Garcia from New York. They, of course, meet July 29th on Showtime. It's going to be one heck of a summer showdown for boxing. Check out our WWE Instant Analysis show for Money in the Bank as Nick Costas and Adam Silverstein join me for that, along with our This Week in WWE Wild Circus show. Plenty of fun and games always coming out of that show, so enjoy so much audio, so much time for you to make in this corner your new combat home. So until we meet again, this is the Brian Campbell with two words for you. We out.